What's up, everybody, and welcome into Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Hood. Thanks so much for downloading the podcast, wherever you are. Thanks so much for downloading this podcast. Thanks so much for checking us out from the wrestling capital of the world, Chicago, Illinois. And boy, we've had some terrific shows in 2022. Love my conversation with Powerhouse Hobbs and Serena D from AEW. I love that Court Bauer. The CEO of Major League Wrestling came on our podcast to break the news that MLW is coming back to Chicagoland and at Cicero Stadium. That is so dope that Court decided to use this platform to have his breaking news about what's going on at MLW. Also, some great conversations with some new voices here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Andrew Thompson from PostWrestling.com out of Toronto. And also CJ Taylor, Chicago Zone. We talked about the Elimination Chamber. Those are our last few podcasts that we've had here in the month of February. So we want you to... Tell people that Jonathan Hood Talks Wrestling, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, great conversations, great breakdowns as well, and some fine interviews here and there. Uh, So check it out, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. You download this podcast because you listen, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, Believe me, I'd never take it for granted. I take time out every Tuesday to be able to record this, and so again... Hats off to you. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast. I just want you to tell people that Jonathan Hood Talks Wrestling, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Don't forget our YouTube page, youtube.com. Look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday there. If you haven't subscribed, what you doing? You should subscribe to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday on YouTube and tell people about that as well. I, I'm, we're getting close to 200 subscribers for, for YouTube. 200 subscribers. You think, oh, that's not much. Believe me, from where we were, on a moribund, kind of just lingering YouTube page, my guy Pat the Designer has done a great job of helping me out in my YouTube page, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. So we're trying to get to 200 or more subscribers by the end of March. We'll see what we can do there. But if we don't get it on the podcast, it definitely will be on um, YouTube, YouTube.com, and merchandise. I want Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday on your back. Right, and you guys have done a great job of sending me pictures of you in the T-shirts. Right, I appreciate you purchasing the T-shirts, the sweatshirts, the hoodies, um, the mugs, the tumblers. Uh, we have it all there. Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. All you gotta do is go to my Twitter or Instagram. They're both Wrestling TWT. Wrestling TWT. Click that link and boom, you're right in with the merchandise of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. My friends, this is the mailbox show 
first time in 2022 that we're opening up the mailbox and getting your responses, your thoughts about the world of professional wrestling. I really enjoy these. We don't do them very often, and we really should because I like to know what's on your mind. So I love that we are opening up the mailbox, and there is a ton of mail. No bills, but just a lot of questions about what's going on in professional wrestling. So let's open up the old mailbox here, see what we got here. Um, I went to Facebook, Facebook.com, Jonathan Hood, as well as on Twitter, Twitter.com, WrestlingTWT, and asked you your thoughts. And here's the first one from Doug Williamson. Doug says, I stayed true to WWE during the Monday Night Wars, but their storylines have sucked for years. So when AEW came along, I bailed on the product aside from content pertaining to the past. Whereas AEW is legit pro wrestling once again. WWE needs a reboot. My question is, why are they going to recognize, or when are they going to recognize, that AEW really needs to be feared in a way that WCW was? When is WWE going to listen to the fans like myself? My first live match was WrestleMania 2 at the Rosemont Horizon who are leaving in droves because their formula is not working. That's from Doug Williamson. Well, I will tell you that their formula is working enough to stay in business. That is for sure. You say they're leaving in droves. Well, they're one of the top shows on Friday night for SmackDown. They are the number one show on the USA Network. And maybe that doesn't say much because uh, if there was no Monday Night Raw or if there was no um, NXT 2.0, the USA Network would not be of good network. Uh, Apparently, from some of the numbers I've seen, you take wrestling off of there and the audience drops about 45%. So they would just be another cable channel if it wasn't for the WWE. I understand where you're coming from as far as the booking, but here's what's happened, Doug. I believe that Vince McMahon and those that work around Vince, the yes-men that work for Vince, have just settled. Because of the television deals that they get internationally and domestically, Because they didn't make millions in the pandemic, they've made billions during the pandemic. And this last time I looked around, they were able to make billions of dollars. They feel like they don't have to take an extra step to give you the entertainment you had in the 90s. You see, in the 90s, when WCW came along and they were pulling water coolers out of Stanford, Connecticut, out of the offices because they were so broke. They were at high school gyms during the height of Money Nitro. When they, we had the Money Night Wars, Vince was in trouble, big time. It, be, it almost became a Northeast promotion again in the 1990s until they were able to pick up steam and kind of take the edginess of Nitro and put it on Raw, and then off to the races with Mike Tyson and with uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock and Triple H and so forth and so on. The, the Monday Night Wars, because of uh, Nitro was edgy first. And then I really believe that Vince stole the formula and did it a lot better. And they never looked back. And so since then, TNA has never really been a, a real threat to the WWE as far as the ratings are concerned over the years, whether Jeff Jarrett is running it or not. Uh, And so they've settled. They can put as much silliness on television and people will watch. And and, and that's the thing, whether it's hate watching or people watching the 90 minute version on Hulu or watching stuff on YouTube or watching stuff on Instagram, people are consuming the WWE. So I agree with you that the WWE needs better booking, especially with all that talent. But 
the point is that they don't feel like they need to do much of anything, right? They feel like that they're just fine because you continue to watch the product, because you continue to invest in pay-per-views like the Elimination Chamber, that you continue to watch uh, shows on Peacock, even though Peacock lost a billion dollars in revenue last year. So no matter what, even if you don't like the WWE, if you don't like the booking, and you feel like they're taking you for granted, guess what? You're still consuming it. And, and also, television networks are still paying through the nose for WWE television. AEW is a threat. There's no doubt that they're a threat. We'll talk more about it as we move forward here through our mailboxes. There's a number of AEW questions like this one from TJ Meister. TJ Meister says, has AEW signed too many big names? How do they all get pushed? Well, TJ, that's not the essence of professional wrestling over the years. The, the, the idea that AEW signed too many big names. No, they need to sign more, more big names. And when you sign a whole bunch of talent, it's not, it's not the intention to sign talent for all of them to get pushed all at the same time, because that's why they call it storylines, right? So even though I don't listen to Jim Cornette anymore, it's been a while since I listened to Jim, but Jim Cornette said something a few years ago that made sense. He said that promoters, doesn't matter what promoter we're talking about, we could be talking about Bill Watts, talking about Vince McMahon Sr., talking about Eddie Graham in Florida, Carlos Colon in, in Puerto Rico, um, you know, on and on. Uh, Fritz von Erich in Dallas. They all had a formula. Jim Crockett in, in uh, the Carolinas, they all had a formula. And that formula was find the best eight wrestlers. Your great eight is what they would call it. Find your best eight wrestlers. And then find another 10 to be able to take on those eight. Meaning that if you have eight that you're going to push, put them, put championships on them or put them in the main event or put them in the semi-main, put those wrestlers, the ones that you really believe in, the ones that you think that can draw, that will be able to be in the best storylines, those that will pay merchandise and whatever it takes that you got to get a ticket to see this or you got to get, you know, pay this money for a pay-per-view to see this. You want to get your best eight wrestlers. And then you get your next 10 and you put them in contention. Mid-South used to have a top 10 that they'd show every week on their television show. Top 10. The top 10 contenders for the, the heavyweight championship. The top 10 contenders for the television championship or whatever the secondary title was. Your top five tag teams. Or some some territories had 10 tag teams, if you could believe that. 10 tag teams, and they'd put that on the screen as well. And the reason why they did that is because they wanted to show the viewer and the fan like, hey... We know who the champion is, but here's where one of your favorite tag teams stack up against the best. And so my point to that story is, is that you can sign FTR and Jay Lethal and Malachi Black and John Moxley and Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho and on and on, Christian Cage. You can sign these veterans, but the point is that you have to put them in a position where they can succeed against some of this other young talent. I would also say this. It is important for AEW not to go down the road of WCW. What Eric Bischoff did is that he took WCW Thunder for granted. In this iteration of professional wrestling, Thunder would be uh, AEW Rampage. Just a secondary show, right? Dynamite's the number one show for AEW. Rampage is second. I would suggest 
to Tony Khan if he asked me. I would tell him, I said, boy, you do have a lot of talent and everybody can't be on Dynamite. and Everybody can't be on Rampage. I would say that there's a, a certain section of his roster, veterans and young talent, that need to be featured on Elevation. Dark it should be for the youngest of the young, the greenest of the green, working the kinks out in Orlando. But I believe that Dark Elevation should be a real show, a destination YouTube show, where if you have wrestlers that don't get a lot of airtime, they can't get on TNT or TBS, I really believe Dark Elevation should be the number one YouTube show for professional wrestling, for AEW. I, I certainly believe that. Because what happened with Bischoff is, is that everything was about Nitro. Whether it was a two-hour show, a three-hour show, everything was about Nitro. And you know what would be on Thunder? Clips and highlights of Nitro would be on Thunder. And they did nothing original on Thunder. It would just be clips of what happened on Nitro. I remember the first Thunder. It was all, the like the first hour was about what happened on Nitro. And it's like, well, what makes Thunder different? They couldn't come up with that because Eric Bischoff wasn't smart enough to do that. The other show that they had was WCW Saturday Night. If you guys remember that, um... That was a bunch of squash matches, and that was just a bunch of young wrestlers, a lot of preliminary wrestlers, and that was two hours wasted on a Saturday in which you could have been developing young talent and bringing them to the main WCW roster, meaning putting them on Nitro or Thunder. But they didn't do that. They just had wrestling, and they didn't do it, couldn't do anything about it. They, they failed in WCW to try to push enough talent where you could say, man, Chris Jericho could be competing for the world championship or Juventud Guerrero or Eddie Guerrero or whatever, right? So my point is that the hope is that Tony Khan doesn't look at everything that's, everything's got to be great on Dynamite. Everything's got to be great on um, the Rampage show and then take for granted Dark and Elevation. That's my point. So no, all talent can't be pushed at the same time. But no, there's no such thing as signing too many big names. They need to sign more big names. But you got to allocate them in the right spots. Put them on elevation for them to be able to get on rampage and eventually get up to the what I would consider the number one show, Dynamite. There's a way to do that. But if you have so much talent and they're just sitting in catering, that doesn't work. Dom says, Dom C. Ali says, can AEW get even more dangerous? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, they get more dangerous. And if you're talking about them getting bigger, there's no doubt. I saw on Wrestling TWT on Twitter as I was going through, AEW is going to be in Los Angeles at the Great Western Forum. There, It's funny because the last press conference that I was a part of for AEW, I asked Tony Khan the question, Will you be having shows in the Mountain and Pacific time zones? And he revealed that there would be a pay-per-view in Las Vegas, that they were going back to Vegas, and that, yes, they would have shows on the West Coast. I asked that question, he said it, and it became uh, wrestling news. So I'm going to pat myself on the back. I'm going to give myself a little Barry Horowitz on that. Okay, I asked the question, and now AEW is going to be in Los Angeles, and they should be. By the way, uh, the Young Bucks are from Rancho Cucamonga. They're in the LA area. They've had wrestling shows. They've been in wrestling shows for a long time. The Young Bucks, so of course they should be in Los Angeles. So can they get even more dangerous? Oh yes, oh yes. Anytime that you are a traveling promotion, going coast to coast, you went to Arthur Ashe Stadium and sold it out. You are drawing more fans in New York 
than the WWE, and and that's the WWE's backyard. You were going to Chicago and selling out shows. You everyone knew CM Punk was coming, but yet three weeks notice on a booking at a United Center, it's completely sold out, and I was there, completely sold out. If they if they moved the stage, it would have been like twenty five, twenty three thousand, twenty four thousand people there. If they just moved that staging and the empty seats behind it, uh, they could have sold out the entire building. I mean, like like a Bulls game. <laughs> like you know like like a like a concert right they could have done that um so yeah they can get a lot a lot more serious sean thompson says is aw a serious product or just the g league of wrestling well it's kind of like what i said moments ago uh you can't the g league is a is the minor league system of the nba there's nothing minor league about aw it is a serious product, as I just mentioned. When you're selling out buildings in the Northeast, uh, like Bridgeport, Connecticut, or like they did in Long Island, New York, or like they have done uh, at Arthur Ashe Stadium, when they are going to the Northeast and, and going to Boston and they're going and taking care of that, they come to Chicago and take care of the Midwest, uh, having a great crowd in Milwaukee. When they are going in the in the, the Midwest and being able to sell out shows, they go to the South and have some good shows. Um, and this Revolution pay per view they're going to have here in the month of March is pretty much sold out in Orlando. Uh, yeah, no, they're not a G League promotion. There are a few companies that are G League promotions for sure that don't draw well. He's looking at you, Impact Wrestling. But no, there's no there, there's this is a very serious product, so serious. That Vince McMahon uh, and the WWE is very concerned. They are concerned because the one thing that they don't like is competition. And anytime that you're writing a letter, the WWE writing a letter to Turner Broadcasting talking about how AEW is just filled with blood, blood and guts, and how could you support this, and writing to their sponsors. Their partners, their corporate partners, right? And saying, oh, you know, look at all that blood and guts. How how could you allow this? That's when it's serious. It's just the good old WWE playbook. Shit on the sponsors of AEW about what they're doing. Instead of being concerned with your business, you're trying to cut the legs out from AEW as far as their sponsorships. So uh, this all started with Triple H at the Hall of Fame when the when DX went into the Hall of Fame. And Triple H saying that it's a piss-at promotion. Well, this is before AEW could really get their momentum. And already, there was Triple H saying it was a piss-at promotion. And so, of course, it is a serious product. There's no question about that. John Glass says, why do you think WWE has really put Naomi out of the women's title picture? Would she be better off taking her talent to a different promotion? Also, do you honestly see Roman putting Brock over in a winner-takes-all match? Okay, Naomi's had a couple of bites at the apple here, and she's had some injuries here and there, and it's taken her a while to be able to get back here in the title picture. So I saw her match up with Charlotte not too long ago, and I was very impressed. I've always liked Naomi. I like Naomi for obvious reasons, but I also like her uh, because I just think that her her uh, presentation is very, very good. I mean, she's got the glow, and you could, I remember seeing her at the Allstate Arena, just little girls just like 
falling over her and just like trying to stretch out their arms, just trying to get, uh, just trying to touch her because she just looks like a superhero out there, right? She does all of these cheerleading moves that she learned when she was a cheerleader before. She brings that to wrestling, but also she can go. She is fantastic as a performer in the WWE. And so she should be in the women's title picture. Uh, There's no doubt. Um, But now she's going to be in a tag team with Sasha Banks. And I find that to be a head scratcher as well. Is there going to be a turn there between those two? I don't know. As a matter of fact, Naomi and Sasha will be a great match one-on-one as well. But I agree. Naomi should be uh, the women's champion again, whether or SmackDown or Raw. Um, And uh, would she be better off taking her talent to a different promotion? No, I I think she's fine in the WWE, actually. I think she's fine. Um, her against Britt Baker, her against, uh, Jade Cargill in AEW, her in Impact Wrestling, Kara Hogan, some of these others. Sure. I'd like to see her do some other things, uh, at some, at some point in her career, but her husband's in the WWE and it's hard to be able to break up a couple, uh, cause I know that they love each other and they're close. So that's gotta be difficult. You know, if they were in two different promotions, it's tough. Do you honestly see Roman putting Brock over in a winner takes all? I, I do not see that. <laughs> I do not see that. Um, Brock, this is the best Brock that we've seen. And this is not like a prisoner of the moment uh, comment. I really believe that this is the best Brock that we've seen because Brock has been great on the mic. Brock has been great um, doing promos and showing his personality, right? For years, Paul Heyman did all the talking, taking up all the oxygen in the room. And by the way, the presentation of Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar has been great for a long time. But I really believe that Brock is earning his money in a big way where he can be able to say what he wants to say. And he feel, he's got a great personality. And now Paul Heyman's jumped back with Roman Reigns. And I just think that those three, Roman, Paul, and Brock, have put on the best television that the WWE's had to offer. It's been a great story. This is what I've been looking for for a long time. It's the best storyline of years in the WWE. Because now that we've seen Heyman go back with Roman Reigns, the uh, tribal chief, and I have to be wearing, by the way, acknowledge me. I'm wearing a Roman Reigns t-shirt as I, re- as I record this. I don't know. I just, I find it comfortable. Acknowledge me. I'm walking down the street with an acknowledge me t-shirt. People are like, hello. Thanks for acknowledging me. Um, but uh, no, I, I see Roman winning that match. And I see Brock Lesnar going back to the farm. And just this whole weird route that the WWE's got to get to this, right? It was always going to be title versus title, but did you have to screw Big E out of this situation? I just, I just, I don't understand the booking of all of this. And and, and who knows when Big E will get another title shot out of all of this, right? And just, I, just the weird way, the route that they took to be able to get this match. Somebody losing the title, someone winning the title, back and forth. You know, Brock and the, he gets the gets into the loses the title, goes to the Royal Rumble, wins the Royal Rumble. It's just like, why all of this to get this? I don't understand. John Glass says, "When will we see Jade Cargill against Britt Baker?" Oh, I think at some point. I think that uh, Britt Baker is going to, if she's not a babyface now, she will be a babyface first. Jade Cargill wants to be hated. 
she is just the ultimate troll on Twitter. I don't know what she thinks she's doing here. She's just, I mean, she continues to just try to make herself a heel by just saying little things on Twitter. I'm just like, okay, lady, okay, we know you're a heel. Okay, we understand. Uh, we know you're you're uh, an amazing looking champion. This is one of those situations with Jade Cargill, by the way, that the title is making Jade Cargill. There's always that conundrum of, are you making the title or is the title making you? The title's making Jade Cargill. There's, there's no doubt about that. With her as champion, she still has a long way to go. And Jade will tell you herself that she's green, but she's learning on the fly. The championship's making her. And now she's got to get in a position where she's making the championship, right? Britt Baker and Jade Cargill will happen at some point. I don't know about 2022, but at some point it will happen. I think maybe even next year. But Britt Baker, I think, has to turn babyface at some point. She always gets she already gets a lot of reaction uh, from the fans, so I think that that's coming at some point. Um, let's see, what else do we have here? Anthony Benson in the mailbox here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday brought to you by Manscaped, manscaped.com. Use the promo code HOOD, my last name, H-O-O-D, and save 20%. You know your problems down there. You know what I'm talking about. Have you seen yourself below your waist? Do you know that you've got the <laughs> the hairs, the issues in your ears, and you've got some issues in your armpits? Hey, man, you got to shave that stuff. You're not a caveman, Right. Use Manscaped, manscaped.com, promo code HOOD, and save 20%. Either get it for yourself or someone else that you know that needs some help. Below the waist grooming, they've got the Lawnmower 4.0. I use it. I want you to use it as well. They take care of this show. I want you to take care of them. Manscaped.com and use the promo code HOOD, save 20% off. Manscaped.com. Look at you below the waist. Looks like a forest down there. Fix it. <laughs> or buy it for someone else. I think it'd be great. Anthony Benson says, what do you think of EC3's promotion? Create your own narrative. I like it. I like it. It's different, right? So EC3 can be able to take this, and he, I know there's two or three other people as part of this create your own narrative. He can take um, this on the road, uh, to independent wrestling companies, right? He can have his own faction that goes to independent wrestling companies and make a fortune with it, right? CYN. I see the logo that you put on here, Anthony, where it's it's uh, kind of like in the NWO font. It's black and white. That that thing will sell. There's, there's no doubt they will sell. People know that EC3 got screwed in the WWE. There's no reason why he should have been running around chasing... Uh, people for the 24-7 title. He's a much better wrestler than that. When he was at TNA, he was a must-watch. When he Ethan Carter III was a must-watch. When he came to NXT, and I love those vignettes too, they were great. I think Triple H had something for him, but as soon as he crossed over, I mean, look at the guy. Look at, look at how, the, I mean, the body on EC3 is right up Vince McMahon's alley. He, he's a body guy, right? He's into big guys and bodybuilders. How does he not fit what Vince would want? And he's chasing people for the the stupid 24-7 title? I don't understand. But I'm happy for EC3 because Create Your Narrative, I think his videos have been very good. I like it. EC3. And I'm sure more people will want to be part of it. But he should, he should take that act on the road. He'll be able to make plenty of money on the road, internationally, domestically, 
create your narrative comes to the ring, you know they're about business, right? And they're anti-WWE people. So I think that that it will resonate even more so. Evan Thomas says, who will dethrone Roman? Who will dethrone Roman Reigns? Well, he's the head of the table. He's a tribal chief. Nobody dethrones Roman. The answer to that question is The Rock. I think that WrestleMania in 2023, I think that that's probably where they're headed, The Rock against Roman Reigns. And I think that that's where they're headed. Because look at the roster. It could, it should be a lot of guys in the WWE. It should be a lot that should be able to take on Roman Reigns and beat Roman Reigns. But it's just not in the cards, right? I mean, when you look at your roster and you say, well, the only people that really matter, as I look at the roster, is they're Bobby Lashley. And I'm scrolling. It's Bobby Lashley. And it's Randy Orton. Something, and I hope he's, I'm wondering if he's hurt, by the way, from this past Monday night. Hopefully he's okay. But when you're Roman, you got Bobby Lashley, you got, um, you know, Brock Lesnar, maybe Big E. But that's on the WWE that they don't have enough of a roster, enough of a top 10 that's on the current roster. Not barring Goldberg or John Cena or all that bullshit. I mean, actually finding guys that you've developed. Like a, Finn, like a Finn Balor, for instance, or someone that's from NXT UK, or someone that or that's going to be developing on 2.0, and then you put them in a position to succeed against Roman Reigns. They're just don't, not going to do that, though. There's just six, there's just four to six wrestlers that Vince believes in, and then the rest of them are just a, a huge middle, right? Not happy Corbin, you know, uh... Not Drew McIntyre, you know, and not some of those wrestlers. No, is you know, not Chad Gable, and you can't tell me Chad Gable should not be in the in the a major singles run for somebody's championship, Raw or SmackDown. Nope, nope, he's got to be in a comedy deal, got to be in a tag team that doesn't matter, right? So that's what they do. But there's plenty of talent on this roster, but again. They are not 60 years old like Goldberg. They're not John Cena. So more than likely, The Rock will dethrone Roman Reigns. Curtis says, If you are able to join the business right now as it is today, which one would you join and why? That, my friend, is a hell of a question. If I was able to join professional wrestling right now as as it is today, which one would you join? Now, I, I guess he's asking me as a talent or as an executive. If I was a talent, I would be in the independents. I wouldn't be in AEW or the WWE. I would be uh, on the independent scene. And I can make a high six or seven figures in the independent scene. No, no matter, I guess it depends on how many bookings that would take. I could be able to do well. If I go to Defy, go to Warrior Wrestling, if I go to the Northeast, if I go to Ireland, if I go to anywhere in the UK, if I go to Mexico, if I go to Puerto Rico, uh, if I can find uh, work in Canada, I'd do it. I'd wrestle all over the world. That's what I would do. And because I can go to WWE and I can make some money. And if they don't like me in six to six months to a year, they could cut me. And that's no good, right? You know the WWE the one thing about the WWE is that you could be as over with the fans as you can, right? You can just 
in a lot of ways, you can be organically popular with the fans. And you have a great match, or a very, very good match. And you can still be cut, because that's how the WWE does business. So, what I'm telling you is, is that um, I would definitely try my my chances on the independence. That's what I would do. If I was a wrestler. Now, if I was an executive, Curtis Sheehy, as you asked the question, um, what I would do is, if I was in the business, I'd buy Ring of Honor. That's what I would do. I would buy Ring of Honor. Um, and the reason why is because if I bought Ring of Honor, I would buy the library and I would definitely start looking at the contracts and I would look at the talent that's already been in Ring of Honor and build from there. I would get the best independent talent, women and men, and be able to build from, but before that, I'd make sure I secure myself a very good streaming deal because as much as there's so much streaming out there, there's still a number of places that are dying for content. Go through your cable channels. Go through your satellite channels. There are a lot of channels and a lot of networks that are dying to be able to have some kind of product there. A go-to product to be able to get people to watch. I mean, you got a million channels on here just running the same reruns all over the, t- all over the place. There are streaming channels. There are streaming services right now that are dying for content. I'd make sure that I would show um, what Ring of Honor used to have with CM Punk and with um, Brian Danielson and Samoa Joe and you know uh, so many others, that the, the Briscoes, so many others. And I would show them that and I would show them what the current product is and we'd try to broker a deal. Uh, whether it's a, a cable channel or a streaming service, so that's my answer to that. It's a great, it's a hell of a question. But if I was to join the business as it is today, I would be in the independence for sure. Uh, Joel Savoy says, "Why is WWE creative such garbage?" After a half century of being in the business, uh, status on the sale of ROH. What is the Vince McMahon endgame? Is he selling but when? Joel Savoy asks you a lot of questions. All right, first one. Why is WWE creative such garbage after a half century of being in the business? I answered that earlier, Joel, because they couldn't care less about what I think or you think about their creative. They do what they think is best, and people are watching. You know what was crazy? I don't know if I brought this up in the podcast. If I did, it, forgive me uh, for, you know, I, I I try to remember these things that I talk about and try to stay consistent. Last WWE show that I was at was in Chicago when Paul Heyman kind of turned on Roman Reigns. You remember this, right? He, he kind of turned on Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar saved him. I was in the house for that. I was at Allstate Arena in Rosemont, Illinois to see that. You know what I noticed? It was a double taping, too, because it was a Christmas taping as well. You know what I noticed? I noticed a lot of the fans were just sitting on their hands with no emotion. They had no emotion. Now, again, the WWE has to do the job to give people emotion. But people were just content just sitting there like they were watching a movie. And I was like, 
this is just different from any indie, any AEW show I've been to. At least there's emotion on those shows. But to a man, woman, child, they were just sitting there watching the action. And there's and those men and women in the WWE were busting their ass. And there was just no reaction. It's kind of like uh, AEW, they were in Connecticut a couple weeks ago, right? They were in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And the majority of the audience was just watching. But they didn't really respond because you could tell this a WWE audience, right? They don't pop until the end of the match. But in the match, they're just watching. It's just weird. Um, so I just, I don't know. I just, that came to my mind. I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but as I was sitting there popping, people thought I was weird. Like, okay. Um, so again, they don't care about what you think as far as they're creative because people still watch. Status of the ROH sale. Um, it makes me wonder if Tony Khan is going to make an announcement of buying ROH. I know he has a couple of announcements here uh, in the next few days, next few weeks. I wonder, is he going to buy ROH, the library? Uh, but as far as ROH is concerned, they will have a show on WrestleMania weekend in Dallas. That's kind of like their new business model. Like ROH is still around. As a matter of fact, I was watching the ROH champion uh, Jonathan Gresham against Santana. Uh, just a real quick side note about Terminus. Have you heard? Have you watched this? It's on the Fight app. F I T E. It's on the Fight app. I've seen the first couple of shows. The action's good, and the reason why I like it is because you know there's wrestlers from AEW, there's wrestlers from ROH, there's wrestlers from uh, Mexico, and it's just a, a a mixture of great wrestling talent. It's all part of an independent show. It's cool. I like it. Problem with Terminus is, is that their production sucks, and it's got to get better. Uh, that last show they had in Atlanta, they've had two shows in Atlanta. They was in a different venue in Atlanta. And I know that Lenny Leonard and Dave Prezak are good announcers. They're very good. But the problem with Terminus is, and I'm not even going to put it on the podcast here. I'm not going to let you hear it. I'll just tell you what I saw because I watched it. Because I was very intrigued with Santana as a solo act, as a single against uh, Jonathan Gresham. Um, the audio was 30 seconds behind the action. If you see what I'm saying here, right? 30 seconds behind the action. So whatever happened, you were watching it, but the audio was lagging so bad that I was listening to music while watching the show because I could not, you can't, the commentary did not match what was happening in the ring. So, and they had a problem in the first one too where they had bad audio. So that has to get fixed if they want to be some kind of viable independent promotion. I know it's run by Jonathan Gresham, but uh, Terminus and Fight have to figure that shit out because that's, I mean, you're just losing people when you have uh, really bad audio and video issues like they had. Um, what is Vince McMahon's endgame? Well, his endgame is to be to, to maintain being a billionaire. <laughs> What's his endgame? McMahon wants to be uh, on top. He has tried so much to try to do something besides wrestling. Uh, he's tried to be a boxing promoter. He's tried to have Ico Pro, try to uh, be part of the uh, World Bodybuilding Federation. He's tried to be a, a football commissioner, and he's failed. And all this other stuff besides being a professional wrestling promoter. I know that I know that bugs him that he has not been successful in anything else besides pro wrestling or sports entertainment, but that's what he is. He's a pro wrestling promoter and he's tried other endeavors and they failed. So his end game is just continue to be a billionaire and to eventually sell. 
And I think a, a sale is coming. I don't know when. Joel says, when is he going to sell? I don't know. But it feels like uh, it's imminent. I don't know when, but I feel like it's imminent. Woo, the mailbox is bursting today. <laughs> we got so many questions. I'm, I love it. Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday on YouTube, youtube.com. Hit the subscribe button there. No, don't forget also Instagram and Twitter at WrestlingTWT. I appreciate your support. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Bradley Michael. I think Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker should be the main event at Revolution. Talking about the AEW show in Orlando. It's going to be a much better, more interesting match over Paige and Cole. Your thoughts? Um, I disagree. Um, I actually believe that Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa is going to be... It, it could steal the show, yes. But I think Paige and Cole could really have a great match. Here's one thing about Adam Page. He got off to a slow start as champion. We spoke earlier about you know, whether or not for Jade Cargill... Uh, whether or not the title's making her or she's making the title. I think that Paige is starting to make the title. Uh, it, I thought it was a slow start for him, but his match against Lance Archer I thought was very good. The Texas death match, I believe it was. Just I know there's a lot of blood. Uh, his matches against Brian Danielson. There are veterans that are helping Paige in a big way. He's part of the young talent on this AEW roster. I think that Cole also can uh, really help out Paige in a big way, and they can have a really good match, the Battle of the Atoms. Um, you can see why Cole, He's been the whole thing with him, I've won, every, I won a championship everywhere I've been. And so why can't I win this one? Cole's had all these great matches against uh, Gargano uh, and when he was at NXT, and we've seen him in the independent. So this could really be great. A seasoned veteran Cole taking on uh, Young Page for the AEW Championship. I think this really could be a great matchup. But it would not surprise me, by the way, if Rose and Britt Baker steal, uh, steal the show. There's, I don't know about the juice in this match with Rose and Baker. It's It's good. It's good, but I, I mean, you know, the build's been good, not great, but I think that they could have a great match as well. Dennis Day Jr. says, do you believe Cody Rhodes is working everybody? Well, that's the question, isn't it, Dennis? <laughs> that's the question. So, Cody Rhodes didn't show up in Saudi Arabia, huh? Does he show up at WrestleMania in Dallas? That seems apropos with him, with his family, with his, their roots firmly entrenched into the state of Texas. Right. So why can't Cody show up at WrestleMania? Makes sense to me. Or does he show up the day after WrestleMania? You know, the day after WrestleMania used to be so big. That Monday, you still got the international audience and they're ruining the creative for Vince <laughs> and, and making Michael Cole say, well, it's a very unusual, unorthodox crowd the day after WrestleMania. You know, what's up is down and what's down is up. F off. Fuck off. You know, like... No, fans can say whatever they want to say, right? It's fun. It's great. Um, it's not that the fans are weird. It's because the fans love to be able to upset what the creative is for the WWE, so they're vocal about it, right? So it's it's not because they're weird. It's just because they're smart. A lot of smart fans the day after WrestleMania. You used to have juice. Last couple of years, not so much. But what if Cody Rhodes comes out of WrestleMania, Right? What if he comes out the day after WrestleMania? That's a that'd be a great time for Cody to return. Is he working everybody? Well, that's what I was thinking um, when he when I first saw that promo in the ring, 
after losing against uh, Sammy Guevara. We saw the promo afterwards, and then he was gone. Cody Rhodes, from what I understand, from people that work at AEW, I talked to two people, Cody Rhodes was upset with the direction, the creative, right, of AEW. But Cody, just like the other VPs, the Young Bucks, just like um, uh, Kenny Omega, you got to understand, like, Tony Khan is the the guy. He's got the pencil. Even though there's EVPs in the company, along with Chris Jericho and all that, it doesn't, and Jim Ross, that, that doesn't that doesn't matter. Tony Khan makes the final decision, and boy, that's a good thing. Whether it's good or bad, you can blame Tony Khan and nobody else. He did not. He doesn't want the mixture like uh, Eric Bischoff had in WCW. That was a problem with Bischoff. Bischoff did not have the final say. Didn't want the final say. He would hide in the back when matches were taking place, especially non NWO matches. Just watching an office on a monitor and just watch shit disintegrate, right? Uh, and then if you turn on 83 weeks with Eric Bischoff, Bischoff now goes back in time, talks about the days of Monday Nitro, and blames Kevin Sullivan, and blames Terry Taylor, and blames Ric Flair, and blames Dusty Rhodes, and blames Mike Graham, and blames Greg Gagne, and blames everybody except himself for the failures of WCW. Uh, so is Cody working everybody? Boy, I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. We need that in wrestling. We, I, I want him to work me. I want him to work all of us. Where it's like, yeah, see, you guys just didn't appreciate me. I'm turning heel or whatever the hell, right? Whatever it is. I would love for him to be able to say, no, I'm actually staying in AEW and here's why. But we'll see. All I know is that Cody Rhodes is an old school wrestling fan. So, But I know he's not happy with the creative in AEW. That's all I kept hearing is that there are certain things he wanted to do, and Tony Khan was like, no, we're going to do it this way. But Tony Khan was the owner, right? Courtney Cross, my friend from St. Louis, old school St. Louis wrestling fan, says, I haven't really watched AEW in the last year. Is the product good or is just something different from WWE? That's the question. Is the product good or just something different than WWE? Also, how's the balance been all of the ex-WWE talent and the original AEW talent? Okay, good question. So my, so CC, here's what we got here. He says he hasn't watched AEW. And I know, by the way, Courtney was at the Royal Rumble in St. Louis in his backyard. He had to go see that with our, our guy Peter Ferrari. Um, is the product good or is is just something different than WWE? No, the AEW product is very good. It's very good. And here's why. Because you have a mixture of talent. I want you to think about the veterans that's on this AEW roster. It starts with Kenny Omega. I just names off the top of my head. Like Kenny Omega, Adam Cole, who we just talked about, Brian Danielson, CM Punk, Chris Jericho, um, Christian Cage, Sting, The Young Bucks, Jay Lethal, FTR, Malachi Black, uh, John Moxley, Eddie Kingston, Ruby Soho, Serena Deeb, those just uh, those are the veterans. Now you think about the young talent on the roster for AEW. And here's why that this works. You have veteran talent that have been on WWE TV. Uh, they've been able to make a lot of money, but yet I feel like they're giving back to the young talent and, and trying to find out what they can do against this young talent. You have Adam Page as the AEW champion, young, Dante Martin, Dr. Britt Baker, Jungle Boy, uh, Brian Cage, uh, Dan Housen, Jake Cargill, 
Thunder Rosa, Sammy Guevara, Powerhouse Hobbs, MJF, uh, uh, Daniel Garcia, Darby Allen, Red Velvet, Lee Moriarty, uh, The Bunny, Sheeta. And I mean, the list goes on and on on both sides of veterans and young talent. But my point is, is that what's, what you want if you're Tony Khan is, yes, I'm paying for a lot of high-priced talent. However, uh, I'm trying to get the young talent over so they can be the stars of tomorrow. So it's not so it's not the Vince McMahon formula of well we have a couple of veterans here in Roman Reigns and uh, Edge and Randy Orton and the Miz and everybody else is just middle of the card everybody else is not important everybody else will get a title reign here or there but for the most part it's really about old aging veterans and I'm not saying that about Roman Reigns I'm saying that about Goldberg. I'm saying that about John Cena whenever he returns, or The Rock when he ever returns. Professional wrestling, when it's the best, Courtney, is when you can be able to look at your young talent and say, someday that person is going to be at the top of the car, and that person is going to be a must-watch and a draw. People will pay tickets to see that person. AEW, for them, they hope that that is Britt Baker at the top of the card. The reason to sell out a 25,000-seat building. She's already done that in Pittsburgh. Right, she already did that in Pittsburgh once, uh, where she was at the top of the card. She beat uh, Red Velvet, but they're hoping that Powerhouse Hobbs or Sammy Guevara or Darby Allen or Adam Page or Lee Moriarty or or uh, wrestlers of that ilk, MJF, who more than likely is going to be uh, AEW champion in twenty twenty two, Daniel Garcia, and, you know, some of these other Thunder Rosa. They're hoping that these young wrestlers will be at the top of the card. And be able to um, be the reason why you come to the arena, right? AEW is not good enough to say AEW is in town. Come see it. You gotta be a. There's gotta be a reason to come see it. It's not the WWE where they say, "Hey, WWE's in town." Oh, they're in town. Fine. I heard Will Washington say this on a Grapsity podcast that you know WWE rarely comes to Denver. And Will asked one of the podcast hosts of Grapsity, great podcast by the way, if you get a chance to check it out with our guy Phil Lindsay and uh, Righteous Reg. Lindsay's been a, a guest on this podcast. You can go back in the archives and hear Phil and I uh, chop it up, talking about wrestling. But Will asked, like, hey, he just asked a fan, like, hey, what do you think of the card? And the fan in Denver was like, yeah, I just heard they were in town. I haven't really watched the product since 2010, but I just wanted to check it out. <laughs> like, done, done, had, hadn't watched the WWE, but just because they were in town, like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll get a ticket day of. I'll just go in there and see what it looks like. I mean, I, I, you, I mean so it, it, he didn't even know the card. That's where AEW wants to be, where it's AEW come see it. But ultimately, they have must-see guys that you've seen on TV before, the CM Punks and the Stings uh, and the Malachi Blacks and the Moxleys and the Coles and... The whole undisputed era of being part of the company, um, that kind of thing. Young bucks, so that I think that's the direction they want to go. And the balance of, and I just laid out the balance of ex WWE talent, AEW talent. I think it's working well so far. However, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, it's important for, I believe, for Tony Khan to utilize elevation a lot better. It just can't be seventeen hundred squash matches. It's got to be able to have storylines that can resonate to Dynamite or to the Friday show Rampage. 
Jason Richmond says, what are your thoughts on the future of Cesaro? Uh, I think they're very bright. He lasts 11 years in the WWE? God. His fate was sealed when Vince did that podcast with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Do you remember this? Stone Cold Steve Austin and Vince McMahon. And, and Austin's a big fan of Cesaro. The whole giant swing that he brought back from the 1960s where he's swinging his opponent around. And just like how strong the guy is and all this stuff. And Michael Cole putting him over every single time trying to help the guy out. And what does Vince say? Well, it's... He doesn't want to gra- grab the brass ring, pal. Doesn't want to grab the brass ring. Ah, don't know. Uh, there's a English barrier or whatever the whatever he said, whatever excuse he used. But it was something about the brass ring. I remember that part. Cesaro's not good enough to be one of your top stars. They gave they threw him a bone last year and put him in the world title picture, I think, for one of the championships, and he fell short. But Cesaro is one of those guys where, of course. I saw him, I paid good money to see him in Ring of Honor as Claudio Castagnoli. And he was terrific. Kings of Wrestling tag team. So I'm as a tag team wrestler. Outstanding. Great athlete. Can't find anything for him. Can't do anything with him. So Cesaro, um, it says, I'm not going to be part of the WWE anymore. And what's the future? He should be in the Indies. He should wrestle overseas. I mean, his match against Valter... Uh, now Gunter now, God, it's so bad, um, was was outstanding. Cesaro gave you max effort. He never took a night off. When I saw him wrestle, whether it's on a, a bad Raw match or whether he's on pay-per-view, he never took a step back. He and Sheamus were a good tag team. But yet, the WWE couldn't find anything to do with Cesaro. You know what? Cesaro should be in the Indies. Not Impact, you know, not the NWA. He, just should, he should just be... Uh, international indies. He also, I mean, in AEW, I think he'd get he'd get lost. I I really believe that. I think that he'd be good, but I think he'd get lost. But he needs to be able to stand out on his own as a talent and build himself up the way John Morrison did. John Morrison went to Lucha Underground. He went to Mexico. He went to over I think Japan, if I'm not mistaken, and did a really good job of of kind of proving once again, like yeah, I actually can do this outside the WWE banner. So if I'm Cesaro, I'd love to see him in New Japan. I'd like to see him in the Indies. So people could see, like, this dude is the real deal. Wayne Pierce says two things. One, thoughts about Impact Wrestling collaborating with other promotions and if it has been a net positive for them. Two, has the 2020-2022, the 21-22 Lesnar storyline been good overall for the WWE? Well, the Lesnar storyline, as I mentioned earlier, Wayne, it's been terrific. It's the best Lesnar that we've seen. The 2021-22 storyline has been outstanding because it involves Paul Heyman, the best talker in the WWE, the best talker in the business. And so with him being able to have this, be the go-between between Lesnar and Roman Reigns, oh, absolutely. Oh, that, that storyline has been outstanding. It may end at WrestleMania against Roman, <laughs> uh, but... Um, I think that it's been great because it's the best lesson that we've seen. Impact Wrestling collaborating with other promotions. Well, Wayne, I would say that it's cool for the first time since the 80s that I've seen a wrestling company use WWE footage. What I mean is, is that when 
hardcore country, um, when I saw Mickey James, when I saw her going to the Rumble, I said, oh, wow. Now, the reason why that she was in the Rumble clearly is because the lawsuit that's out there from Court Bauer MLW saying that uh, the WWE is purposely um, holding back MLW from getting a TV deal. And we'll see how that lawsuit fares. But um, that's the only reason. I mean, that's the only reason why that's happened is because the WWE said, "Oh no, we collaborate with other companies." Yeah, but you did that only because there's a lawsuit out from MLW to you because of the same action that you are interfering in uh, MLW's uh, opportunity to uh, have have a network partner. Or, or being with a cable station or a satellite station. So that's why that lawsuit's taking place. So they did that just to be able to show, oh yeah, we, we work with Impact Wrestling, uh, which is ridiculous. Um, so it was really, for the first time in the 80s, let me make sure this is clear, for the first time in the 80s, I've never seen WWE footage on a different wrestling show. Now, Houston Wrestling, with Paul, the late Paul Bosch, would show Ricky Steamboat against Randy Savage from WrestleMania only because there was a collaboration between um, Houston Wrestling toward the end and the WWF. And so they showed that whole match on Houston Wrestling three times <laughs> because Bosch loved that match. He loved Steamboat and, uh, and Savage, which was the best match at WrestleMania 3. Uh, the best wrestling match, WrestleMania three at least. Um, so it was like to me as a wrestling uh, half-ass historian, I was like, wait a minute, Impact Wrestling is showing um, her on WWE TV. I'm like, wow. Now here's the thing: it does not move the meter for Impact Wrestling. The, uh, Impact Wrestling working with AEW when Christian was the was the Impact Wrestling champion, then he he dropped the title. What did that really do for Impact Wrestling? To have Tony Khan talk shit about Impact Wrestling, not only on AEW, but also on Impact Wrestling TV, what did that really do for Impact Wrestling? See, the problem with Impact is that they're on uh, Access TV. Now, I get Access TV on my uh, Xfinity cable. I, I get it. I just, I just don't watch it very often, if at all. Um, but... When you're still drawing 120,000 people uh, every week or less that's watching Impact Wrestling, then what did AEW or the WWE really do for Impact, right? Okay, so WWE fans that only watch WWE realizes, oh, there's Impact Wrestling. It's still alive. TNA's still around. Impact Wrestling, good. But are they supporting it? So that's the answer, right? right? Is it a net positive? No, I don't think it was. To have Tony Khan and Vince McMahon infiltrate your organization, it's great for the story, the temporary story, but as far as making the, the organization bigger or for Impact Wrestling to actually travel, get out of that, that studio, that little arena, and be able to do house shows or to be, have bigger pay-per-view events, nah, no, nah, not really. Not a net positive for Impact Wrestling. All right, we got two more questions here. This is from Twitter, twitter.com, WrestlingTWT. And by the way, follow me, WrestlingTWT on Twitter and Instagram. Can always use more Instagram followers, you know. Yeah, WrestlingTWT. And don't forget, we are brought to you by Manscaped, manscaped.com. Use the promo code HOOD, H-O-O-D. Now, you hear me talking about it, right? Just open up a tab. Check it out for yourself. Manscaped.com, promo code HOOD. 
and save 20% off. You know you need some help, some some shaving, some clippings down there, right? Well, come on. You could be a lot more aerodynamic below the waist. <clears throat> and also in your nose hair. And uh, I, I'm looking at my Manscaped right now. I see the box with my lawnmower 4.0s staring at me, telling me to remind you to go to manscaped.com. Promo code is HOOD. Save 20% off. They s- Title sponsor for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Let's see. Hmm. Ted Z, my guy, Hammond, Indiana. Ted Z says, we once talked about how you appreciated WrestleMania for being a two-day event. With the lineup for this year's event looking hit or miss, are you still on board with for a two-night presentation? Uh, yes, I am. However, it is daunting to try to fill up a 100,000-seat stadium at Jerry World twice. Now, the WWE will do its best to try to get this done. The WWE is into this two-for-one deal, boy. The two tickets, I mean, like, like two-for-one? Like, What? That's amazing. Like, buy one and get one free? WWE cheapening their product to try to get butts and seats. They tried that in Long Island. They still failed to put butts and seats in Long Island, their own backyard. This is a, this must be a Nick Khan thing, right? This must be the, the, the one of the heads of the WWE saying, you know, we got to get people in here. Let's do two for one. Two for one for WrestleMania? I read that. I'm like, come on, bro. Come on. People will be coming from all over the country, all over the world to see WrestleMania, right? I mean, and it's a huge stadium to fill, but to fill it twice, it's tough. No, I still believe in the two-night event. I do because it's worked for New Japan for a long time, and I think that for WrestleMania, again, it's tough, but you know, if you have good shows, if you have good booking, you don't have to worry about ticket sales. But when I'm reading that, oh yeah, Vince McMahon will take on Pat McAfee uh, in a match, and I really don't think that that Vince is actually going to wrestle. It might be a handicap match with him and um, his his protege. Um, I, I mean, I don't know, like Vince and Austin Theory against Pat McAfee. I don't know. I don't know. But when Steve Austin apparently is going to wrestle. Uh, against Kevin Owens, and you are bringing back the legends, right? To for this, and you've got you know the these acts instead of like really solid matches. It's just like God. It should not be this thin. You have all of the great talent in the WWE. It is great talent in AEW too, but the point is like you have enough talent to be able to put together some great matches, must see matches, and it's kind of like, ugh, right? Will this be Vince's last WrestleMania? Let me just throw that out there. <laughs> you know, he's doing this without Shane, too. I'm surprised Shane's not in one of these matches, too. But Shane was fired by the WWE. If Cody Rhodes is in Rus- at WrestleMania, Ted, does this mean that WrestleMania will be saved because Cody's out there? I don't know the answer to that. I don't know the answer to that. Um, no, I still like the two... Uh, the two-night presentation works if you have... A solid card, it, it, you know. New Japan for years have had a two night presentation at, at, at stadiums because their card was solid from top to bottom, for the most part. Chris G. Chris G. is a is a P one amongst others for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Chris G. says, "I want your thoughts on the Cody Rhodes situation. Is it really on the level? 
as far as I know, we answered earlier in the podcast. Yes, I think uh, he's not happy with AEW as far as its the, the direction. So I would say, yeah, it's I guess it is on the level um, as far as we know. Uh, do you see Jacob Fatu or Alexander Hammerstone in either of the big two in 2022? Wow, that's a great question. That's a great question. I always thought that Fatu would be in the WWE by now. Right? I mean, he had a great run as MLW champion. Great run as, as MLW champion. He was part of that that uh, faction that was very dangerous, right? Contra. It's like wow. And I saw him wrestle several times in Chicago, and I was I'm just blown away by his athleticism for a big guy. He's one, another one of these big guys that can be able to you know, move, right? It was is fantastic. And I just think that before his good years are over, he needs to be with another promotion. I'm not trying to push him out of MLW. I'm not doing that. What I'm saying is, is that. I think for any talent, you want to find out what it's like to be able to take on um, other competition. And, of course, Fatu could do that in MLW. You can go to other indies and wrestle you know, internationally if he cares to. But I'm just saying, like, it'd be interesting to see him in uh, you know, take on other competition. Like, Roman Reigns against Jacob Fatu. Oh, my. Right? Hammerstone, the same thing. Hammerstone's really coming to his own as MLW champion. I've watched him. He's been on this program before, affable. Um, he's living his dream right now as MLW champion. He's really grown. As a matter of fact, I talked to Court Bauer about Hammerstone in the archives of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. If you missed my conversation, just click back a couple of episodes and we talk about Hammerstone uh, being MLW champion. And I think he, uh, for Hammerstone, uh, I don't think he will leave MLW. I don't know his contract situation, but I think that he needs a run. He needs to be the reason why people come to see an MLW show, right? Hammerstone's got the look. He has the personality. And so if someone's going to jump, maybe it's Fatu, but I think Hammerstone's going to have this title for a while. The, the title doesn't move around very often in MLW, right? And I know they have their share of TV shows and TV tapings and, and big events. They just had one in Charlotte at the Grady Cole Center. So, um... Now, I would like to see Hammerstone really roll with this championship and see how far he could take it. And last question from Chris. <laughs> how much do you enjoy Danhausen? No one's ever asked me that before. I enjoy Danhausen. Yes, old, crusty, pro-wrestling guy Jonathan Hood likes Danhausen. I do. I do. I like him. I, I would like for him to do something in the ring at some point, but for him to kind of pop up out of nowhere, I think it's cool. I don't like how he was presented in AEW. This is, I'll, I'll leave with this. I There are times where Tony Khan is catering to just the internet wrestling fan. And you have to do some of that, but not all of it, right? I, I look at um, Dan Housen. And he just kind of popped up in a like an opening match. Was it in Chicago? No, maybe not Chicago, but like a, a, a few weeks ago, when he whenever he debuted in AEW, it was on Jim Ross to say, "Wait a minute!" From underneath the ring is Danhausen. Well, like if I've never watched AEW before, I say, "Well, who is Danhausen?" Right? And what does he do besides having face paint and looks like he's putting a, a curse on someone? What does he do? Right? The one thing that WWE does, I think, well 
every week is to go over and over and over and over again who that is in the ring and what do they do, right? I think, and, and we'll give you a video package even when you don't want it. They'll give it to you just so you know, hey, there might be someone new watching the, the product. Let me just show you who this is and why this is, should be important to you. But, you know, when you get wrestlers that just kind of pop up on the scene, right? Just kind of like, hey, that's Danhausen. Yeah, well, who's that? Right? Just a guy. I, I mean, again, you are catering to the internet wrestling fan. You're catering to the old school wrestling fan and to new viewers, right? Keith Lee pops up. Keith Lee comes through. Well, again, who are you catering to? The 900,000 plus that's watching AW every Wednesday and Friday? Or are you catering to a, a new audience on Turner Television, on TBS and TNT to say, this is why Keith Lee is important. Let me show you some indie video of Keith Lee and how amazing he is. And now he is in AEW. Jay White pops up. Well, I know Jay White from New Japan. I was the first one on this podcast to say, when he won all those, I told Josh Lopez, I said, with all these championships that Jay White's winning, it's too much too soon. I was wrong. I thought that New Japan, he won way too many championships way too soon. And... Uh, now he's in AEW. Well, he just shows up the night that Keith Lee shows up, and it's like, well, if you're sitting back and you're watching AEW for the first time, it's like, who's Jay White? And who? what is New Japan Pro Wrestling? And what's the Bullet Club? You're just supposed to know, right? See, that's my point. You have to continue to teach. That's the only way that you grow, right? I know that sounds a little inside, but it actually it's not because if you're a diehard AEW fan, you don't want this to go away uh, in four or five years, you want this to continue to go on for years and years. But when you book like an, an internet wrestling mark at times and you don't say, hey, here's who this is and here's why this is important. You know, you're not mocking or not trying to pair the WWE. You're just trying to teach the audience like this person coming down the ramp is new to AEW and he's important. Right. Buddy Matthews comes out there. It's like, oh, Buddy Matthews. Well, who is he? I know who Buddy Matthews is. He's a guy that uh, at WWE Creative had nothing for him after he was uh, going to be in a relationship with Rey Mysterio's daughter. Had nothing for him. But now he's part of the House of Black or whatever or whatever it is. Well, why is he important? Got to tell that story. I think that's, that's something that AEW's got to work on. Don't just settle and just tell the audience, well, hey, it's... Um, you know, it's Andrade El Idolo. Well, who is that? Well, I know who it is. But how do you build your audience? Tell people who they are and why they're important. They're on the roster for a reason. Tell them, right? Tell the story. We thank you for listening to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday right here. Uh, wherever you download this podcast on the ESPN Chicago app or SoundCloud or S Stitcher or Spotify, wherever you found this podcast, thanks so much for checking it out. We are way over time, one hour and 10 minutes. But I had to answer all your questions because the mailbox was full. That's my fault. I will get to the mailbox a lot more often. A brother's been busy but not too busy to talk wrestling with you. So coming up, by the way, either on YouTube, youtube.com, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, or another podcast, there's more news this week as we record this. More news. You know Vince McMahon is going to be on the uh, Pat McAfee show on SiriusXM. There'll be news out of that. Uh, on Wednesday, 
the check the old calendar the second of March uh, will be the uh, press conference from Tony Khan talking about revolution there should be news out of that I'll be part of that news conference by the way uh, so uh, there'll be news out of that and so I'm sure there'll be a couple of things that we'll talk about again. This may not be the last podcast for this week. <laughs> so just stay, keep it locked right here, either here or on YouTube, and we'll discuss uh, some of the news that will come out this week. But big news in professional wrestling this week, especially as we get ready for Revolution for AEW and the road to WrestleMania. I'm John the Hood. Thanks for listening to Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. We're so way over time. But the mailbox was full. Thank you so much.